Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? What is up? 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 It has been a long time. A very, very, very long, 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 long time. It's been what? Almost four months since we have seen some NBA basketball action. It's been four months. Four long months since I've been able to do this show. The last time I did this show, it was amazing. The Clippers had just lost to the Lakers. It was all of this drama going on. Everybody was worried about what was going on. Who was going to do what? Um, 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 was LeBron the MVP? And then before you know it, Rudy gets the Rona. Rudy caught the Rona and life was never the same after that. Welcome back, everybody, to the Two for One Show. It is dope to be back, to be here, to be doing this. Um, this has always been one of my favorite shows to be able to do because, you know, you know, back when we were doing this, we used to have people from all across the United States that would call in. So obviously today, you know that if I'm doing a Two for One Show, we gonna have somebody calling in from uh, from outside of where I live. So shout out to everybody out there. Go ahead, drop your topics. I will be sure to address everybody's topics as we go ahead and we begin the show. But first off, I actually want to go and I want to start with my first block. My first block is actually about what is going on in the NBA in regards to what they're doing with all of the stuff in terms of the visuals, as well as the social justice issues that are going on in the United States currently. In terms of the visuals, I love everything that I've seen so far from the NBA. I won't lie, I thought the Black Lives Matter when I initially, you know, envisioned it and saw it in my head, I saw it as like a mural or something that was extremely loud and obnoxious um, that I didn't want to see. Uh, but seeing it on the court, it's very subtle. It's there. You can see it. Um, we saw today the Boston Red Sox put Black Lives Matter across the Fenway, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, wall. Uh, so it's very interesting to see where sports is going, where everything is going. Today, I actually covered the game um, early in the morning, pre-game, as well as during my lunch break, I got a chance to talk to Lou Williams as well as Doc Rivers. They both spoke today. Um, and before I bring my special guest in, I'm actually going to go ahead and I'm going to play this clip from Paul George as he talks post-game after they beat the Orlando Magic handily 99 to 90, even though people will look at the score and say, oh, they did Kawhi and Paul George didn't play in the fourth quarter. This is Paul George talking to me earlier about Black Lives Matter and, and Breonna Taylor and everything that's going on. Uh, Thomas, go ahead. Uh, Paul, you know, obviously you just spoke about George. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, Paul, obviously you just spoke about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, there was a lot of talk about you guys coming back and, and being a distraction. Um, do you think that having the opportunity to speak about this day after day will continue to lend to that message and make more and, you know, and lend to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, again, that's what we're here for, uh, to continue to keep that in the back of people's minds. Um, and, uh, I mean, her murders are still free, so um, nothing was done yet. And uh, we're going to continue to, again, keep this fight going and uh, use our platform to stand up uh, for those that can't stand anymore. 
Alrighty, so you heard that from Paul George. So now I'm going to bring in my special guest, Darian. Welcome to the show, Darian Chill of the Chill Takes Podcast. He interviewed me a couple weeks ago. Um, really love his content. Darian, go ahead, talk to the people out there. Let them know where they can find you at. What's good? What's good? It's Darian Chill. If you don't know me, uh, you can follow me on Chill Takes uh, underscore S on Twitter. You can follow me on my main Twitter page, Darian Chill underscore man. And I just talk NBA just like TPJ and Pavy, uh, a little bit of NFL once that season gets kicked off, a little bit of culture talk too, man. So, you know, that's how I do it on my, my ends. All righty. So, obviously, um, we had and we experienced our first bubble games today. You were able to see what's going on. The Clippers started out the bubble um, by beating the Orlando Magic today. Um, obviously, it's not a full game. They were playing for 10-minute quarters, which is not the full 48. A lot of players look gassed. Um, the intensity was there. You could see that guys were playing. What were your thoughts on what you know, on what you saw um, from the first day from the NBA bubble? Uh, I like the Clippers and the Magic Magic matchup. Um, I thought both teams came out, you know, ready to play. Um, they were definitely breaking shots at the beginning, no doubt about that. Um, but I like how they got into their game. I mean, like Paul George, he started out a little rusty, man, but he started cooking. I mean, he he damn near made Evan Fourier fall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he was cooking. Uh, Kawhi played good. Lou William, Lou Will came in and started getting buckets. Um, the Clippers are deep, man. I noticed that a lot. And then with the Magic, um, they just don't have enough firepower to match up with the Clippers. But I think they'll be fine in the East. Um, that uh, you want? Do you want to talk about the uh, the Nets game too? And, well, no, no, no. I want to stay. Oh, on, I want to stay okay, on this yeah. game because yeah. obviously Montrez Harold. And Patrick Beverly were not able to play um, today. Evisa mm -hmm. Zubak is not with the team. Mm -hmm. um, so they are a team that is currently thin in terms of their actual you know, roster there. But mm -hmm. you can see pretty much a semblance of what still looked to be a good force. Even Joakim Noah being a star, um, you know, inserted into the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was pretty huge. I actually um, talked to Lou Williams today about the intensity of everything that was going on within the game and how he felt about it. He started off with a shout out to Montrez Harrell. So I'll go ahead and play, um, you know, you know, my clip of, um, you know, Lou's response to my question in regards to what his, uh, you know, thoughts were on the first, um, you know, game in the bubble. Uh, I want to send a shout out to Trez. I want to send a shout out to Pat who are, who are dealing with issues at home with family. Um, let them know that we're thinking about them. Um, that's first and foremost. Uh, uh, as far as the basketball, as far as basketball goes, I think we did a good job moving the ball today. I thought we played well. We, we created some some very positive building blocks um, to continue on in the next two uh, scrimmages we got going into the regular season. I thought we did a good job. All right. So you know, even you know, with that being said, as we know with the COVID and everything that's going on. A lot of these guys will probably be filtering in and out. We, we know that Zion Williamson is currently not in the NBA bubble right now. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on seeing, on potentially seeing a Clippers team where you might not have a Montrez Harrell or a Patrick Beverly or a Visa Zubak on the squad? Do you, you know, do you think that they're still a formidable opponent in the West? How do you feel about, you know, kind of what you saw from them today, even without their full squad? Like, what did you, you know, kind of what are your impressions? I mean, people have heard me say a million times that mm -hmm. I think this team is going to go to the finals. What were your impressions on on kind of what you saw before? I spoke to Doc Rivers before the game and mm -hmm. he talked about the intensity and I'll play it after you speak. But what did you think mm -hmm. about kind of the intensity and what you saw? And, and do you think that you can take anything away from any of these games? Yeah, most definitely. I think the intensity was still good for the Clippers, man. They still came out there and balled. I mean, even though they don't have uh, 
Montrez. They don't have Shaman right now. Uh, they don't have uh, Pat Bev, but Reggie Jackson stepped up. He looked good today. Joe Kimno, as you already stated, he looked really well today, especially in the pick and roll and defending at the rim. Um, they're going to miss uh, – honestly, I mean, like, they got some good bigs and um, one of the Morris twins as well, man. So I like this lineup. I think it'll, I think it'll do well, you know, for the first few games. But once they add in, you know what I'm saying, that the rest of that, uh, that help with Pat Bev and – uh, Montrez and Sh- uh, Shaman, man, they're gonna be they're gonna be on a clicking, man. So I, I don't got a problem with yeah. the Clippers team right now. They look good. Yeah, I agree. I think that the biggest thing that I saw today from them was honestly Joakim Noah looking mm-hmm. like uh looking like a formidable Joakim Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Bulls fan. I am a Chicago's Bulls fan. You know, so I've been I've been around and I've experienced Joakim Noah. You know, for you know you, you know forever. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just like his personality, who he is as a player, what he stands for. And the thing about it is he's never going to be a guy that's going to go out there and going to blaze it up on a stat sheet. But he mm-hmm. was also a guy that in Chicago was a player that actually wound up being top five in MVP voting in one year because of the things that he affects off of the ball. And Doc mm-hmm. Rivers kind of spoke about that a little bit after the game. But I think the biggest thing that I saw from from them and including Joakim Noah was intensity, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time this year, you know, Pavi and I spent many a times talking this season about the Clippers and essentially talking about how they didn't look like they wanted to be there or kind of they felt as though they wanted to fast forward to the end of the regular season because they felt mm-hmm. like they were automatically a championship contender, right? Mm-hmm. What, I, what I didn't see from them today was any of that kind of laissez-faire attitude that they tend to have. And that's because... You have a guy like Joakim Noah who's going to be extremely intense on the floor. But mm-hmm. also, even when you think about a guy like Patrick Beverly, he wasn't even out on the floor today, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to think about how intense. Like, Noah started off the game with a foul. And instantly, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, Noah, you got to stay out of foul, foul trouble, trouble, right? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> also, when Zubak is there, Zubak is a guy that a lot of the times is in foul trouble, right? So mm-hmm. I've spoken about this many a time. So even Noah gives Zubat a break from foul trouble and vice versa. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that I think is going to be the biggest thing for them moving forward is really having a steadying presence that can come in off the bench that can, you know, be there defensively. Even Pavi tweeted about Joakim Noah's passing ability in the short rotations and in the short screen and rolls. He can mm-hmm. be able to take that pass because he has Supreme Court vision and can make that pass out to the corners and to the shooters. That's a pass that, as much as I love Zubak and I call him Zupak, that's not really a pass that I think that he will be able to, you know, kind of make on a consistent basis. And I think that the thing that I was looking for from them was I honestly didn't think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard was going to play. Doc Rivers Mm -hmm. has notoriously this year not told us who, and and when I say us, I mean us in the media, who is playing and who is not playing, even to the point where we, you know, when we get the lineup sheets before the game, that's mm-hmm. when we know who's playing. And he mentioned that today. Um, and I actually spoke to Doc Rivers on the intensity and what he was expecting. And I was expecting Doc Rivers to say that this was going to be like a light practice. And mm-hmm. Doc Rivers actually told me that this was like a preseason game. So I'll play that and then we'll move on and we'll actually talk about the Lakers because they play tomorrow. Thanks, Doc. Uh, we'll take one final one from Thomas. You can go ahead, Thomas. Uh, hey, Doc, how you doing? Uh, hey, Doc, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Um, in terms of as you guys take these, you know, scrimmage games, um, are you going to continue to ramp intensity up or is that going to be reserved for those eight, uh, you know, playing games that you all have to have? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, we're going to use these games to get ready for the real games. You know, uh, you always want your guys to play with intensity, uh, whether it be practice, scrimmages, or whatever. Uh, but uh, do you want them to play at their peak or whatever? Uh, no, I mean, it's fine if they do. I'm, I'm fine with that. That means that we're further ahead than, than you think. I think these games are really served for, from my perspective is just to find out where we are, what we need to work on, uh, and what works. All righty. So, you know, you heard that from Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was talking about, you know, he wanted to use this as a measuring stick to kind of see where they are and where they're going. Um, and I think if you look at this game, this was a great measuring stick for where they are and where they're going. But that's also the other thing that, I, as I mentioned, I didn't think that they were going to come out and try to play to win this game as if it was a playoff game. I thought that they were going to come out and try to play this game as if it was a practice game, which if you look at the other two games from today, I actually didn't watch the Heat game, but we can go ahead and we can get ready to get into that in a quick second. But before that, I want to immediately shift context and I want to talk about the Lakers because we're going to get a chance to see the Lakers tomorrow morning or tomorrow, um, you know, I'm sorry, evening. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to be very, very interested to see how the Lakers look tomorrow because Markeith Morris is now there. They're slowly getting their pieces. Obviously, Rajon Rondo is out essentially for the rest of the season. Avery Bradley is out for the rest of the season. The Clippers, without four of their main pieces, came out today and I thought looked well. They didn't look like they missed the beat at all. The Lakers tomorrow will go up against the Dallas Mavericks. So you know Luka will be playing. KP will be playing. Most mm -hmm. of the Mavericks will be playing. So this will be like a preseason game where we will probably see two to three and a half of competitive quarters. But are the Lakers still the best team in the West? What are you looking forward to seeing in, term, you know, in terms of the Lakers, in terms of the bubble play, um, you know, as we ramp up to the first official eight games? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't believe the Lakers are the best team in the West at all, in my opinion. <laughs> but what I'm looking to see out there, I'm looking to see um, how the other guys play around LeBron and AD. I want to see... Uh, if J.R. Uh, uh, Smith can come in and hit shots. See, I think he won, like, player of the day. Or, like, I don't want to say, um, what's today? Uh, Wednesday? Is I think he won it yesterday, Tuesday. So um, he, he's been practicing good, it seems like. I want to see how Deion Waiters comes in. I want to see Alice Caruso. I want to see um, also some, um, Quinn Cook. I want to see if he can come in and be that uh, that next point guard off the bench, uh, presumably, uh, with LeBron coming off in that, uh, when he's on the, not on the floor. I want to see if he can settle the offense down when they go against the Mavericks. Um, and also, I want to see how the bigs look. I want to see if JaVale and Dwight, how they look against KP. Mm -hmm. And I want to say Dwight Powell, that's the uh, Mavericks yeah. big. Yeah. yeah so I, I mm -hmm. want to see how they look down low. Um, but also, I, I want to see that the other role players, man, because we all know AD and LeBron going to show up, man. But it's all about the other guys, man. Can Danny Green come in and hit shots? Can he play defense? Uh, what's uh, going to look like um, with uh, the Morris, uh, the other Morris twin? Uh, how's he going to look coming back, uh, coming in a little late? So it's all going to be interesting to see, man. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I agree. I'm on the same wave in terms of kind of the expectations in terms of the Lakers. Um, I think that um, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward from the Lakers tomorrow is just to see if there is rust. I think with the Clippers kind of to start, people were starting and already immediately hopping on Paul George and talking bad about him. And I'm like, let the game play out. Like you haven't even haven't played basketball in four months. So I'm not going to hop on the Lakers immediately out of the gate worrying about how good they look. But I will say this. If LeBron and AD struggle out of the gate, 
or their mm -hmm. offense looks completely different than it looked before when Avery Bradley was in the mix and you have Rajon Rondo in the mix. I think that's the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I think that even looking at a guy like Deion Waiters, I think now was the time for him to really have the opportunity to shine. I think KCP, you know, I know KCP and my biggest memory of KCP is Kobe Bryant walking out of the game after KCP missed that shot on Kobe's jersey retirement night. You know, so and that's and there's no disrespect and not to throw KCP under the bus, but like I think this is the opportunity for KCP to really create his own play, you know, you know, his own playoff legacy. I actually saw a guy in Kareem Rush early who hosts a show, um, you know, my homie Nick Hamilton, and they had a show, and I was like, damn, I forgot about Kareem Rush. But then you look at Kareem Rush, he was the guy that hit a bunch of threes for the Lakers in a you know, you know, you know, in key playoff games. I think KCP has the opportunity to be a Kareem Rush level type of player and develop those, you know, and develop that Kareem um, you know, rush level type of impact on this team or a Derek Fisher type of impact. But I think that it begins right now. So I want KCP to step into that role, play very well. I'm sorry, well, I want Deion Waiters to come into that role instantly and be able to come in and not do and not be outside of himself. I want him to stay within himself. So tomorrow, I'm not looking to see if the Lakers look like a championship team. I'm looking to see if the new pieces like you see on the Clippers can step in and instantaneously have an effect on the game in a positive way. Because if those guys come in tomorrow and they stink it up against a Mavericks team, which is on pace right now to set an NBA record in terms of offensive output, uh -huh. and they, and Dion and JR, they come in and end up and he has, I'm sorry, KCP has a bad game game then i might have a few questions because yes it might be a preseason game but it's not a preseason game because usually with the preseason you haven't played with any of these guys before this lakers team was the lakers team that had the number one record so i'm looking at them to come in and not necessarily establish dominance but not look rusty and not have the new parts look as though they completely don't fit because they only have eight games to work it in um and, and with the scrimmages really 11 so i don't know because even with LeBron and his Cleveland teams, many of times we've heard people say at the trade deadline, oh, LeBron has a whole new roster now. You can't judge LeBron and his roster because he has an entirely brand new roster now, brand new team now because they made a bunch of trades. Well, when you're looking at the Lakers now, they have key new acquisitions. Players are gone now, the equivalent of trades. How do you think those guys like KCP and Avery Bradley and Deion Waiters will fare? Do you think that they will allow the Lakers to continue to not miss a stride? Or do you think that they will kind of, you know, you know, allow the Lakers to have a few hiccups? What do you think? It's going to be interesting because with KCP, you know what I'm saying, he's been playing solid this year. I think he's averaging about like around like 12, 13 points. So he's been playing pretty good this year. But um, you're replacing essentially Avery Bradley. Uh, with J.R. Smith and A.B. Bradley was hooping before the season ended. You saw him against the Clippers. You saw him against the Bucks. I think he put up like 24 points against uh, the Clippers, and I think he put up like around like 15 against the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken. But he was hitting shots. He was playing great defense. Um, and then also you have people like Deion Waiters. I want to see how he gets in, how he looks. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, man, I think I think the biggest missing piece will be this A.B. Bradley not uh, be mm -hmm. able to play, man, because yeah, I think that. I agree. You're you're missing a player that can that's probably one of your best defenders, arguably your second or your third best defender behind uh, AD and LeBron, and then you have someone that can also run the floor a little bit too, man. He was playing some really great basketball, man. So I think not having AB Bradley is going to be a very big miss. Um, but I mean, I guess people like Kuzma can he step up and start playing basketball consistently and well? Because as we saw with him, as the season was going uh, down, uh, he wasn't mm -hmm. playing his best basketball either. So it's going to be interesting to see with uh, Kuzma as well.
Yeah, actually, I actually I kind of want to talk to you about that. Kyle Kuzma, what are your what are your thoughts on on Kyle Kuzma? How do you feel about him? Um, what do you think? You know, um, Lakers fans and and I am on record as saying that I'm taking Kyle Kuzma over Brandon Ingram, and people have got you know got very mad at me. But I, but it's not because I think Kyle Kuzma is a bad player. I've always said that he's not a bad player. He is a player that lacks opportunity, and I believe that when you lack opportunity. That is the biggest thing for you. I think you saw what happened when he had someone that was there that was not playing his position, which is what LeBron largely plays the same position as Kuzma. So does Anthony Davis. Kuzma rookie year, Kuzma second year, had the ability to be able to shoot. He also has somebody distributing him the ball and getting him the ball in places in which he needed it. What you see now on this Lakers team is not that. You see him having to come in and essentially pick and choose his spots which is not the kind of player he is. That's also the reason why Brandon Ingram didn't work that well with LeBron James as well, because mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram is not a pick-and-choose-your-spots kind of guy. So, Kyle Kuzma, what do you think is his ceiling in this playoffs? I personally think Kyle Kuzma is the most important player on the Lakers. I think uh, you know Frank Vogel said it the other day in his presser. He said that the Lakers don't have a third option, that their third option is the open man. I disagree. I think when the when the third option is the open man and that open man is covered by Patrick Beverly or Kawhi Leonard or covered by Marcus Morris or covered by Joakim Noah or covered by a Jermichael Green who's not a scrub defensively or covered by a PJ Tucker because PJ Tucker probably won't be guarding LeBron or he might not necessarily be guarding Anthony Davis, depending on the matchup. Robert Covington might be guarding him. So when you're looking at the third option, that third option has to be a key player for the Lakers. That third option has to be a player that's going to show up and actually score. And if Kyle Kuzma does not average 18 points per game in his playoffs, the Lakers will not win the championship. And remember, I said that. Yeah, most definitely, man. I mean, Kyle Kuzma definitely has to step up and play some better basketball. I mean, he's averaging 12 points right now on four assists. I'm not really worried about the assists, but those points have to go up. I mean, he's averaging 12. That's a career low so far. But like you said, man, he's not a player that kind of has to, like, you know what I'm saying, it's like a spot-up type of player. He needs to get out there on the floor and feel his game. It's kind of hard for him to come off the bench. He's been starting his whole career. You know, so I mean, it's just definitely hard. I mean, they, like you said, him and LeBron and AD play the same positions. They're going to have to figure it out, man. I think he's going to definitely going to be the first player off the bench and roll with that, uh, those role players and be that key player, that X factor off the bench, man. Because if you can't get can't uh, get going, then they're definitely in some trouble. Yeah, I definitely think that they're going to be in a lot of trouble if they can't get going. Not only because they depend on him to get instant offense, but also if he's not playing well um, on offense. There's really no point in leaving him in the game because he's not a a, a great Most defender. Definitely. He's a Most solid definitely. defender, not a mm-hmm. great defender. And what you need from him is you need him to be a great defender. So I think that is the thing that I'm looking for, you know, for the Lakers that I think could be their Achilles heel. But we'll see. Anyways, moving on, let's go ahead. Let's talk some NBA action from today. Um, obviously, we spoke about the Clippers defeating the Orlando Magic, uh, you know, 99 to 90. But also today, we got an opportunity to see Bowl Bowl as the Denver Nuggets beat the Washington Wizards 80. I'm sorry. 89 to 82 um, in some early action. The, uh, you know, the most interesting part about this, obviously, was the fact that the Denver Nuggets and Coach Mike Malone went out with the starting lineup of Nikola Jokic at point guard. Bo mm-hmm. Bowl was starting at small forward. Mason Plumley was starting at center, and Jeremy Grant was in the game. This is one of the largest NBA lineups I've ever seen. I honestly think that every team in the NBA should be scared. What are your thoughts on what you saw today um, from Bowl Bowl, as well as what you saw today from the Denver Nuggets? 
Uh, I didn't get to watch too much of that game because I was at work, but I saw the highlights of Bobo. Bo. He had 16 and 10, if I'm not mistaken. That block and that pull-up three was very, very KD-esque. I put it on my timeline, man. He looked good, man. He looked in shape. He looked like he's been ready to play. Wait a minute. Did you just compare Bobo to Kevin Durant? Uh, I said his, the, the, oh, game, the game play, oh, right? That, that block, the block off the backboard and that pull-up jumper, man. It was KDS, bro. Uh, it, it, tripping, it looked, bro. It looked it KDS, look, man. Look, 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 KD and Bobo <laughs> don't belong in any conversation with each other at all, period. Point blank hey, in the story. The pull-up jumper looked you're, good. You're disrespectful. <laughs> you're disrespectful. You're disrespectful. No, it did not. It looked like yes, a it version. It looked like a larger version of his daddy. <laughs> but the one thing I will say about Bobo that was very impressive, I think honestly, more so than the blocks that he had inside of the lane and inside of the paint, as well as that pulling, you know, you know, you know, pushing the ball to the court and pulling up. I think the most impressive thing that I saw from Bobo today was the fact that he had a block that where it was like on a 15-foot pull-up jump shot. And he just jumped. And even, you know, you know, even the Denver Nuggets, um, because of the announcers, they had, I guess, like a live stream where they had mm-hmm. other people, you know, coming on and actually checking out, um, you know, kind of what was going on, um, you know, and, and, you know, everyone was talking essentially live reacting to the game. The, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the female announcer, and I can't remember her name, but she mm-hmm. talked about how when she spoke to Bo Bo, Bo Bo, you know, was essentially telling her that I just have to be near the ball and I have to be near the shot. And when I'm near the shot and near the ball, I have to actually go and I have to get my hands up. And if, and if I can get my hands up, then I'll be able to at least affect the shot. And what you saw instantaneously today was when you put him in the in the lineup where he, where other teams are forced to put him in a mismatch. You can't shoot over him. That's also mm-hmm. the same reason why Kevin Durant was so deadly on the Golden State Warriors squad at that point in time was because you had Draymond Green essentially quarterbacking the offense, which I've talked to Coach, um, you know, Nick of B-Ball, uh, you know, breakdown, and he told me that he believes Draymond Green is the greatest defensive player of all time, but he also mm-hmm. believes that Draymond Green is a quarterback in the, you know, in the equivalent to a Brian Erlach or a Ray Lewis on defense. Well, mm-hmm. all you need is a solid big man behind it, which you usually had in JaVale or a Zaza or a guy like an Andrew Bogut who was an MVP in Australia as well as a number one pick in the NBA before. Um, so you had a solid you know, front court behind him as well as Festus Azili, even though he was mid, um, but he was he served his role. Um, mm-hmm. And then you add Kevin Durant, the Slim Reaper, six foot 11, six foot 10, seven foot wingspan behind that. He is mismatched on shooting guards and small fours and point guards. That's a terror on defense. Bow Bow might be the real deal the only thing about it is obviously this lineup is not going to be the lineup that they move into the regular season with um most likely you will have jamal murray and um you know and gary harris um out there playing as small i'm sorry at um at, you know at, you know at point guard and um shooting guard exactly. i do think the thing that gives me caution is i just don't know if mike malone likes michael porter jr and i've Man. covered uh, i've covered uh, I think two Nuggets games this year, and mm-hmm. Mike Malone. I don't. I just don't see the Michael Porter Jr. love that I want to see. Michael Porter Jr. I believe has the opportunity to be the best player on the Denver Nuggets in the next two years, mm-hmm. but he's not going to get there if he doesn't get any playing time. So I don't know if they're just kind of, you know, slowly bringing him back due to his back situation. Or if it's a situation of Mike Malone just not being a fan of him. But I've seen Michael Porter Jr. in person. 
He's not like Kevin Durant. I've talked to Kevin Durant post-game. I've seen Kevin Durant post-game. Very tall, very slender individual. Michael Porter Jr. is actually a very muscular and slender individual. He's not like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is built like me. Michael Porter Jr. is built like, you know, you know he has an athletic build. Kevin Durant mm-hmm. looks like a really tall dude that could just go in any gym and give you buckets because he's tall. But then once you see him shoot, you're like, oh, snap, this is crazy. Michael Porter Jr. looks like a world-class athlete when you see him, his body type, um, and all of that. So I, I hope Michael Porter Jr. will have the chance to establish himself with the Nuggets, but who knows. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about the Pelicans and the Brooklyn Nets. We don't even have to spend a lot of time on Gosh, this. Bro. Zion, <laughs> the Lion, Zion, the Lion is not playing because he is out. Um, currently dealing with some family issues, prayers for Zion and his family. Um, the, you know, the NBA as well as the Pelicans hope that he will return. Um, but the Pelicans destroyed the Brooklyn Nets, who are the equivalent of an A. The, the Brooklyn Nets are an AAU team. Can I just can I just get a rant off real quick? Let me get a rant off. The Brooklyn Nets are an AAU team. Adam Silver, why? 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 I, the Brooklyn Nets are so bad that they are not going to win a game in the bubble. If the Brooklyn Nets win a game in the bubble, I will shave my head live on two for one. That's how much confidence I have in the Brooklyn Nets winning a game. They look terrible. They look like a G League, D League, E League, C League, G League, Z League, whatever league. I'm not going to even disrespect the WNBA by saying they look like a WNBA team because that would be disrespect on numerous levels. On numerous levels. It's terrible. And I don't care if it's a scrimmage. We got to see eight games of this. These are the games that if this was the playoffs, they would be on NBA TV while everybody else is on TNT and ESPN. This is bad. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets? How do you feel about what's going on over there in Brooklyn right now? I agree with you, man. They don't need to be out there. They're wasting time. I mean, they look bad. I mean, I think they got beat by, by 40 today. Um, they didn't look good, man. I mean, Karis LeVert is supposed to be the dude. I know it's the first game. I know. But I know Pabby talked about Karis LeVert can average about 20. I don't know, man. I don't know what his final score was, but he started out terrible. Hey, I mean, he hey, didn't look that look, good. <laughs> Karis LeVert ain't doing nothing. Jack. He ain't doing nothing, man. Tom I mean, man, come on. He did good, though. He did good, though. <laughs> Tripping. Uh, they don't need to be out there, man. I mean, they're like this. The Wizards too. We're gonna get in that a little bit, man. But this, those, those te- two teams, like you said, they need to be swapped out, bro. Because they, they are. They don't look good, man. They don't look good. But I mean, we'll see. It's gonna be interesting to see Jamal Crawford when he plays. It's gonna be a little nostalgic when he gets in the game. But other than that, man, I mean, what's to look for to the next? It, it's gonna be. It's gonna be nostalgic when he gets in the game until they get down by thirty-eight. <laughs> Until they get down by 38, and we're going to be like, damn, Jamal Crawford came back for this? <laughs> Seriously, bro. Man, they're not going to win a game. Somebody said they're going to win against a really bad team. What bad teams? Ain't no bad teams left. <laughs> they not I beat mean, nobody. No, they're not going to beat nobody. Bro. They not beat nobody. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Anyways, moving on um, to round out the NBA night. Um, you, know, the, you know, the Miami Heat destroyed... Well, not destroyed. They played very well tonight against Sacramento Kings, who Marvin Bagley is not going to play for the rest of the season. 
Marvin Bagley is a guy that I actually had high hopes for. I thought that he was actually going to be a guy that would be able to come in night in, night out and fill up the stat sheet like a Kevin Garnett. But it but it looks like Marvin Bagley is going to be one of those guys that potentially might be, um, you know, kind of an NBA bust. And it's unfortunate because I think that Marvin Bagley has all of the tools. But if he's not going to be healthy, there's really nothing at all that can be done in regards to, you know, this team. I think that this team is a mediocre team at best. Without Marvin Bagley, I think that they, um, you know, you know, I, I know that they were making a playoff push before the playoffs started, but the Kings are not going to make the playoffs without Marvin Bagley the third. They need oh, it's the third, right? Yes, yeah. it's the, yeah. they need Marvin Bagley the third. He is to me the best player on this team. Eventually, they need him the same way I think that the Denver Nuggets need Michael Porter Jr. in order for them to be successful. I'm not going to overreact to this game from either side. I think if you're the Heat. I just wanted them to come in and look like the Heat. They look like they're rolling on all cylinders. You know, it looks like that basketball court that Jimmy Butler sent over to everybody, um, you know, for them to, you know, play on during the summer break. It actually worked out, uh, you know, for them. Um, so I think that, you know, looking at the Heat, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see where they go from here. I think, um, you know, bigger than the scrimmages are their team where, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second that I think can actually – contend for the championship but not like fake contend but actually contend but only but only but only but only if jimmy butler is prime time what are your thoughts about the miami heat i like the miami heat man i talked about it on my own podcast on chill takes man um i had my homeboy on there his name is merlin but we, we talked a lot about the miami heat. i like i like them they're deep man they're the only team in the east that you know uh beat the bucks twice if i'm not mistaken they kind of handled them too both times um I like Bam Adebayo. He's a, he's a matchup nightmare uh, for most bigs and power fours in his league. Um, Duncan came in hitting some good shots today. Uh, Jimmy Butler was playing very solid. Uh, Crowder was uh, playing very solid off the bench. Iggy came in and hit some good shots. I mean, they're a deep team, man. They got uh, Iggy. They got. I mean, they just they got a they got a team full of players, man. I mean, uh, I'm not worried about Iggy though. I think I think I think Iggy, and I've said this a many a times. Iggy is a guy. I don't think Iggy gonna do anything because the thing about it is the thing that made Iggy special in the West was the wings in the West. Mm-hmm. The wings aren't what dominate the East. The the, the bigs dominate the East. Mm-hmm. Iggy can't run with them. Iggy can't hold Giannis. Giannis gonna put Iggy in a paint somewhere. And, and and had that man in the trash can like uh uh like what's the grumpy one from uh, uh you know from Sesame Street Oscar uh, the Grouch yeah exactly Yana's gonna turn that man into Oscar the Grouch you gonna put that man in the trash can with ease with ease with ease with ease so I mean I look I I like the Heat I think actually the biggest X factor for the Miami Heat is actually Tyler Harrell I think he's a guy for them that is a rookie but I think he has. He has veteran balls and excuse me for saying that whatever y'all can go ahead drop some comments whatever but he got the balls to want to step up and take the shot he reminds me like this is the thing like Derek Fisher wasn't the greatest player of all time he wasn't the most um electric guy in the world wasn't the highest jumper but he had balls when you look at that game um at the end of the Orlando series when the Lakers were up what was it 2-1 Derek yep. Fisher caught the ball seven seconds left 
walked up, stepped in two or three, cashed it out. Got the ball in overtime, got the ball top of the key, took the shot, cashed it out. Tyler Harrow is a guy that's going to be in the game because if Kendrick Nunn doesn't play up to par, Tyler Harrow is going to have to play up to par because they're going to need that offense. That's also the other part why I'm not overrating instantaneously getting Andre Iguodala for the Miami Heat because he is not a guy that is not instant offense. Last year, literally, I said, if Iggy get 25, the Warriors are going to win. He had 24. <laughs> <laughs> the Heat, and this is the, also the other thing. Jimmy is not a guy that's going to average 30 in the playoff series. Mm-hmm. So who for the Miami Heat is going to be the guy that's going to average 26-27? In order for the Miami Heat to win a championship, two of the top three players on the floor have to be on the on the Miami Heat every single night. And the best player on the floor has to be on the Miami Heat every single night. And that's why I don't necessarily think they're going to win a championship, but I think they can be scary. Let's go ahead. Let's actually move on and let's talk about the biggest threat to the Bucs. What do you think the biggest threat to the Milwaukee Bucks is currently um, in the East? Who do you think are the biggest threat to the Miami? Um, I'm sorry, to the Milwaukee Bucks. I say the Miami the, Bucks. <laughs> I think it's the Miami Heat, man. We just talked about it, man. I think they give them the biggest uh, threat. I mean, like I said, they have the, the defenders to the kind of match up with everybody. Um, the Celtics, they could pose, pose a threat to the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They just don't have any. I don't like their big situation, man. I think Brooke Lopez is going to possibly eat on Theus. And also uh, Giannis is going to have his way with Jason Tatum. But they're going to, you know what I'm saying, they're going to go 30 for 30 in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the Raptors as well. The Raptors are pretty deep. Uh, they still got they're still championship contender. They still got championship blood DNA. I mean, you got uh, mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Serge, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus All. He looks thin and help. I mean, he looks thin and ready to play. Yeah. Um, and Norman Powell's playing his best basketball right now. So I like the Raptors. Um, and outside of them, I mean, Philadelphia maybe I mean, it's inter- it's gonna be interesting to see with that Melton and uh, start going to the starting lineup with uh, Ben Simmons playing a power four position with Al Horford coming off the bench. I think the seven and six is composed a threat. But outside of those teams, man, I, I don't think anybody else really challenge the Bucks like that. That's interesting. Sorry, my mic was muted. That's interesting. I think when I'm looking at the Bucks, I think um, you know, I, I think that the, their biggest threats are um the Toronto Raptors. I think the Toronto Raptors is the biggest threat. I think after that is the Philadelphia 76ers. But as I told uh, you know, my bro the other day, I don't think that the Philadelphia 76ers can beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. I think last year they could have beaten Milwaukee because they had Jimmy Butler, but also Jimmy Butler was hurt going into that game. So I still don't think that they would have beaten the, the Milwaukee Bucks last year. I think Giannis would have been too much for Ben Simmons and Embiid, especially look at what Giannis was doing versus Embiid last year. I think this year, the biggest threats to the Milwaukee Bucks are the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors. I think the 76ers can probably maybe, maybe if Shake Milton gets hot, and I've seen Shake Milton get hot. I've Uh seen Shake Milton drop 38 on the Clippers head on a Sunday afternoon with my own two eyes from having many feet up from the press box. So I've seen Shake Milton shake and bake. So shake and shake and bake. But Shake Milton has to be a guy that has to come up big. Um, He has to be a guy for them that's going to be someone that is going to not only move the ball, but also make timely and effective shots. When I'm looking at Shake Milton, the majority of the time when he's in the game, his job is to be like a Lou Williams guy or um, 
a Jamal Crawford guy, a J.R. Smith guy, an instant offense type of guy when he comes in, but also a guy that can create plays for other people. I think what you'll see now is you'll see a lot of lineups on the floor. And low-key, I actually, I, I can't wait. I'm going to find a basketball telestrator, and I'm going to have a basketball telestrator up here eventually. I'm going to find one of them on the internet. But I think if I had a basketball telestrator, I could show you on a basketball telestrator how they would essentially have Shake Milton is now going to be at the top of the key, right? Before, Ben Simmons would always be at the top of the three-point line, which is essentially why when LeBron was guarding him at the top of the three-point line, everybody, LeBron, everybody else sags off Ben Simmons, right? But if you put Al Horford on the bench and Al Horford comes off the bench, the biggest concern about the 76ers for me this year was their bench because J.J. is gone and the guys that they had on the bench last year are gone. The international crew that they had that could come in, that could shoot and that could run and gun for them on offense. They don't have those guys this year. So now Big Al can come in off the bench instantaneously and control the offense and run the offense and navigate the offense and you can run it through Big Al. Now you take Ben Simmons, you put him really, he started out in high school as a power four. So you put him back in his natural position. Yes, he's a great passer. He can still be Ben uh, Ben Simmons, but you put him back down lower on the block, have shake up high at the top, Josh Richardson on the wing, Tobias Harris on the wing, Joel Embiid can shrink down on the floor. And also what you can do is now you can run a pick and roll, pick and pop, have Joel Embiid sag back. He take the three-pointer now. Instead of, instead of before, if you were in a pick and pop with Joel Embiid, you just crash down to the paint, leave Embiid open and let Embiid shoot threes all day long. Well, now you can't do that because if you were in a pick and roll with shaking Embiid, Shake and score. Shake and shoot. Shake don't care. So I think it depends on Shake Milton. Shake Milton is a guy like Kyle Kuzma. He doesn't need to average 18, but he needs to average 14 points per game and at least five assists a game in the playoffs in order for them to be able to make it to the championship. If he can do that, then they can threaten the Bucks. As for the Raptors, I've seen them um, you know, this year. Siakam is a freak. Van Vliet is a freak. Van Vliet is actually, to me, my favorite player on the Raptors. And actually, I think the guy that can come up the biggest for them in a series versus the Bucks, because I think what you saw last year, including last year, when Kawhi Leonard was on Giannis, Fred Van Vliet was a guy that could step up and hit timely shots and make timely buckets. You also mentioned that Norman Powell this year is playing some of his best basketball ever. So Norman Powell playing some of his best basketball ever. Fred Van Vliet this year, even though he's injured in and out of the lineup, playing some of his best basketball ever. Pascal Siakam this year, playing some of his best basketball ever, uh, you know, ever. Mark Gasol, as you mentioned, a slimmed down version of that. Playing still Mark Gasol. I think at this point in his career, Mark Gasol is what Pal Gasol was when he was on the Bulls. But not even that. Really, from that perspective, but in terms of mentorship and on defense. Pal Gasol, when he was on the Bulls, was a scorer and a rebounder, a, a defensive player. And when he got the ball on the block, he could facilitate. Marc Gasol is going to be a guy where they're not going to look for him to score. They're going to look for him to stretch the floor occasionally, make a timely three, play good defense, and make rebounding. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, rebound and make timely stops. And I think that's what you look for. I think, honestly, Eastern Conference Finals, I personally think I'm going to see Buck Raptors. I think that the Bucks actually beat them this year. And I think they beat them in five. And the other reason why I think they beat them in five this year versus last year was last year the Bucks did not have shooting all around. Kyle Korver was not there last year. Kyle Corver is a guy that can come in anywhere. And if he's open, can at least get you 
one to two to three timely threes. I was watching the Bucks versus Raptors series yesterday with my girlfriend's brother, and I was literally showing how Mike Budenholzer was miscoaching it, but also how Giannis was essentially shrinking to the top of the key and to the top of the uh, three-point line like Ben Simmons, which allowed the Raptors to load up the paint, seal him off, and then when he did drive, he had to drive and kick it out to shooters who were not open. This year, if he's going to be down low, run a punch 34, put that man on a block, throw him the ball, Giannis, two dribbles, toss the ball to the rim, pick and roll from the top, and not all of that stand out on the wings and shoot. But also last year, Giannis couldn't shoot threes. So I think this year, the Bucs. Alone, Giannis simply the stretch floor will come, you know, you know, big for them, and I think they actually will beat the Raptors and go and play in the finals. But um, we'll go ahead and we'll actually talk um, NBA awards. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about it. Who do you have as your most improved player? Who is your most improved player for the 2020 season? NBA awards um, are voted on this week, this upcoming week. Who do you have? My most improved player of the year definitely has to go to Brandon Ingram. He's playing some great basketball right now for the Pelicans, man. He's an all-star this year, the first time in his career. I think he was averaging over 20, playing some really good ball. He was leading the Pelicans uh, pretty decently throughout the season. When Zion came in, they became like a formidable team, challenging for the uh, AC, I think the ninth seed right now. But I have to give it to Brandon Ingram. Um, and then also, if you want to throw somebody under that, that possibly could be uh, in it as well. I think it'd be Shy. Uh, uh, Gilgis Alexander of OKC. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to be most improved because he, he was a rookie last year, but he's playing some great ball, too, uh, in OKC with Chris Paul and uh, in that backcourt with Dennis Schroeder and them. So, All right, cool. So, um, me personally, I'm actually going to... I'm going to... Hmm, I'm actually going to give it to Bam Adebayo. Mm. Um, and I'm going to give it to Bam Adebayo because I didn't <clears throat> see him being this good. Uh, I foresaw him being a formidable power four, formidable, you know, um, center in the NBA, but I didn't foresee him being this good of a player. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that every year he's continued to get better and grow his game. And I think that even making the start from a guy that was a gritty guy, that's an unknown guy that people are just starting to talk about to being a guy that is arguably, um, he, I wouldn't say he's the best, you know, power forward center, but he's arguably a top five, you know, front court player in the East, you mm -hmm. know, and I didn't feel that way last year. And I feel like that a level of improvement as well as Brandon Ingram. I know I've, you know, a lot of people have heard me hate on Brandon Ingram or call me a hater or say Brandon or, you know, or me say that I don't think Brandon Ingram is that great. I don't, but I think that he had a great year. And I think that if we're talking about improving instantaneously of course once you get that level amount of shots you're going to be able to improve but the biggest thing that i like from brandon ingram was the ability for him to continue to be versatile in his game despite um you know other players being around him and i don't think that he is a number one guy i don't necessarily know if he's a number two guy but in terms uh -huh. of this season i don't i don't i'm i'm just being honest i think he's a rashard lewis type of guy and i don't necessarily know if rashard lewis was ever the best or the i'm sorry ever the second best player on a real championship contender because i would even argue that even when they went to the finals that year hito turkaloo might have been better than rashard lewis on the magic when they when the magic went to the finals that year versus the lakers mm -hmm. and rashard lewis on the seattle supersonics was never going to go to the finals so mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if Brandon Ingram is the third best player on a championship contender. He might be, I mean, I'm sorry, the second best. He might be the third best, but not the second best. 
Um, so, but I still got to give him his kudos. He played well this season. He deserves it. Dennis Schroeder played very, very well this year as well. He's a guy that actually has played very, very well on defense and offense this year, as well as Shea Gilgis, Alexander. He might, you know, he deserves some consideration. But if I had to give it to one guy, I would probably give it to Bam Adebayo with Brandon Ingram being a 1B. Um, so let's go ahead and let's talk about defensive player of the year. Who is your defensive player of the year this year? Who do you have? Man, that's tough, man. It's it's some it's some nice names out there, man. You have AD, of course. You have Giannis. You have Brooke Lopez. But I'm gonna go with Giannis, man. I think he's been playing some great defense this year. I mean, you can you can definitely say uh, AD as well. I think AD will be one B one B, but Giannis is playing good, man. He's been like the all around player this year, man. What can what can he not do on the defensive end, man? Really? I mean, okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna say Giannis. Yeah, Giannis this year actually leads the NBA in defensive win shares. Um, LeBron is, is 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 much much further down the line. Um, not like way far, but he's behind Giannis. Uh, Brooke mm-hmm. Lopez is another guy that also people you know is going to be in consideration for. He's behind Giannis as well. And, and actually, let's see if I can share my screen let's see give me a second i want to see if i can share because i want to show these uh, uh nba defensive win shares nba uh-huh. defensive win shares let's see nba defensive win shares uh, yep let's do it let's share the screen let's let's take a look at these nba defensive win shares so pulling up the player stats right now on nba.com so that way all of you losers out there that's gonna be like oh LeBron, blah 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 let's look at the stats so according to the stats here we are. NBA defensive win shares this year. Giannis leads the NBA right now. Currently, um, you know, actually, let's see if I can put an advanced filter. Let's see. Games played. Games played equal what? What? 40 games? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to do I'm going to do 50 games, 50 games. I think 50 games is enough for me to because yeah, 50 games. So uh, hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, is oh, I'm sorry. It's greater than 50. Games, my bad. All right, so out of everybody who's played more than 50 games, in terms of defensive win shares, we have Giannis at number one. LeBron is a full .4 behind Giannis. Then after that, we have Chris Middleton, who's on Giannis's team. Then we have Jason Tatum, who's played very, very well this year. And Eric, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then we have LeBron. Then we have Eric Bledsoe. Then we have Jason Tatum, who's played very, very well this year. Eric Bledsoe is a guy that's going to probably be first team all defense this year. Kyle Lowry is a guy that's probably going to be all uh, defense this year. As I mentioned, Dennis Schroeder, as you can see him. Uh, you know, hold on, let me see. As I mentioned, Dennis Schroeder, you can see him right there. He's 16th in the league right now in defensive win shares, the best on Oklahoma City Thunder team. So these are guys that, you know, all kind of fit within his context. And even a guy like Ben Simmons, uh, you know, who's down here, who's 27th in terms of the win shares. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at all these players. I'm looking at these guys. And I'm sorry, Giannis this year, and I've said this, Giannis has the ability to sweep every single NBA major award this year. He does. So speaking of sweeping every single major NBA award this year, let's go ahead and let's talk about it. NBA, um, you know, um, coach of the year. Actually, I'm going to do, I'm going to save MVP for last. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. I was going to do it. I was going to do it. But then I decided against it. I'm going to save coach of the year for last. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying I'm going to save MVP for last. last. Coach of the year. Who do you have? Who's your coach of the year this year? Ooh, well, that's tough, man. I got, I got three. I want to say real quick. Mike Budenholzer, of course, from Milwaukee. I mean, Best record in the league. Uh, he's been playing. Uh, he's been coaching some wonderful ball right now, man. No doubt about that. Eric Spo down in Miami, another great coach. He's always been in that candidate uh, for all these years. Also, Billy Donovan, man, uh, for OKC. I mean, like, it seems like every year everybody wants to count him out. He not, he's not built for the NBA. He lost KD. He can't do it with Russ. He did it with Russ. He lost Russ. 
Now he's doing it with Chris Paul, Shy, and Dennis, and the rest of the boys, and Steven Adams, man. So, honestly, I'm going to say Billy D, man. I, I like Billy D. I'm a Florida Gator, man, so I'm going to be a little biased on that, man. But Billy D, man, he's a hell of a coach. I think he's going to get it. All right, me personally, I'm actually going to um, – I'm going to say that this year's Coach of the Year, I'm actually going to – I'm going to make a surprise move, and I'm going to give it to Nick Nurse. I think Nick Nurse deserves mm. it again. I think if you look at this Toronto Raptors team, they have a plethora of guys who have not played um, the full you know, you know, complement of games that they've had available to them. They have been a team that I've seen this year, and that you know, even if you talk to Pavy, Pavy's always like, "Yo, like they run like like Nick Nurse runs like crazy plays. Like Nick Nurse will run, you know, like Nick Nurse like you know, like he'll run a diamond press." Pavy was talking about, you know, he's talking to me about that. Nick Nurse is a guy that takes chances, um, and I think that you can clearly see it from everybody that is on this team. They lost essentially a top three, top five player in Kawhi Leonard and have not missed a beat at all this year on offense or on defense. And I think that the biggest thing for them this year is just health. Once they can actually get healthy, I think that they will, without a doubt, still be the 1B to the Bucks 1A. But the problem is for the um, you know Toronto Raptors is Kawhi Leonard is not walking through that door. And Kawhi Leonard is a guy who last year, time after time after time after time, bailed this Toronto Raptors team out. I'm unsure if the Toronto Raptors actually have a main option on this team when it comes to actually being the guy to take the last shot. So that's why I'm going to take the Toronto Raptors as being, um, you know, you know, the team and having the coach that deserves coach of the year, but also being a team that is still going to be very scary. And Nick Nurse is the main reason. I don't think that their personnel is anything you know, light years ahead, but I think that Nick Nurse is the new pop. I think Nick mm-hmm. Nurse is the new Greg Popovich, personally. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead before we get ready to talk about MVP and get ready to get out of here. Let's talk about it. Six man of the year. What are your thoughts on the NBA six man? Who do you think deserves that? Uh, we talked about him a lot, man. I'm gonna go with Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I really? can't, I can't, yeah, I can't give it to Lou Will and um, or um. Uh, uh, Montrez because they they're even man they split you know so they both average about mm, I, I think Lou I think Lou will average about twenty and I think uh, Montrez averaged about nineteen so it's it just it's just too too uh, even for me to give it to one of them but I'm gonna go Dennis Schroeder man he's playing great ball we saw the defensive win shares he's averaging nineteen and a loaded backcourt playing great ball on both sides of the of court man I gotta give it to Dennis man he's playing some great ball right now. Um, me personally, I'm going to actually disagree with you. Um, I actually think that Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell actually do deserve co um of DP. Uh, I'm sorry, not I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not defense blood here. Co um six uh, you know, six men a year. I think that they are two guys that come in and are always instant offense. And I think that the thing for the Clippers is. You know, it allows you the luxury to be able to have a point guard like Patrick Beverly, where Patrick Beverly doesn't have to score. Patrick Beverly can have games in which he doesn't score a point at all, but can still be effective on the floor, can still do what he does because you do have a guy in Lou Williams that can instantly come in off the bench and give you 20. You have a guy in Montrezl Harrell who can come in off the bench and give you 20. Both of those guys on almost any other team except for Lou Will, probably because his role has perennially been a six-man are starting level and starting capable players of you know in the, in today's NBA. So looking at them, I'm looking at Montrez Harrell. I don't I don't think that you know this is not um, this is not the NBA MVP where two players can cancel each other out because one guy is more valuable than the other. I think that if you have two six men that are essentially averaging the same amount of points, playing the same amount of minutes, and having the same amount of impact. 
while essentially leading the league in their statistical categories off the bench. I don't really see how other people can say other people other than them. I think the only only logical argument is Dennis Schroeder, and that's because of what I mentioned of him doing on the offensive and defensive end. But I personally think that it's unfair to Lou Will and Montrez that they can't win six man of the year or share the award or one of them can't win it because one of them is still as good when literally they are predicated off of each other. They're both great because they play with each other. They're both great because they both get an opportunity to come into the game Play against the other team's six man, and you know whether it be the big man or the point guard, and run that pick and roll and send people to hell. So that's mm. my personal opinion on it. How do you feel about that? I mean, do you? I mean, I mean, I feel like they're being penalized for being great off the bench. When if you look at their team, it's not set up for them to be starters, but they can go to any other team and be a starter. What are your thoughts? Yeah, most definitely. I think they are penalized, unfortunately, for being on the same team and playing so good. Um, we just never seen this before. We never seen two. Uh, quality players come off the bench mm-hmm. that can both give you 20 apiece. I mean, we yeah. haven't seen that. That's that's crazy. So I think that's kind of – this has been, like, hasn't been seen before. It's kind of the unknown right now. And I think they won't give it to them. I don't know. They possibly will. But if you had to give it to them, who would that one player be? Will it be Lou Will or Montrez? Uh, I'm going to give it to both of them. Coach? Like, you yeah, a- yeah. If you, if you can have co-MVPs, you can have co-six-man of the year to me. Like right. I said, if they, sure. weren't, if they weren't almost literally playing the same amount of minutes – Mm-hmm. putting up the same amount of level of production they only really are on the floor with each other mm-hmm. they're literally yeah. and you and this is from someone who covers the clippers look yeah hella credentials. all yeah. The, most of these is from this year so you're talking to somebody who didn't see them at practice day in and day out they only yeah. really come in and play with each other you know yeah. and even doc told me early in the year that his goal was to try to have Paul George and Kawhi on the floor with Lou Will and Trez at all times. But mm. a lot of times, more times than not this year, because of back-to-back issues with Kawhi, as well as with Paul George's hamstring, as well as with Paul George's torn labrum that he's recovering from, you didn't get the opportunity to see that. So you've still been seeing the same dose of Lou Will and Montrez Harrell on the floor. And they are, and they are without a doubt, the two best bench players in the NBA. So therefore, mm. I don't think that they should you know, cancel each other out because they play on the same team. You would mm-hmm. love, any team would love to have them on oh, their definitely. team, including the Thunder. And I'm sure any team would most likely trade their sixth man for them. Most definitely. Am I, I mean, am I tripping? You mean to tell right. me that the Rockets, who traded Montrez Harrell away, in that Chris Paul trade couldn't use Montrez Harrell right now? They definitely could. They could use him, including if it was just off the bench to do screen and rolls or just to come in and give them energy. So I yeah, think Trez is a guy that I'm looking at that's also going to be a max player. But before we get ready to get into our last topic, I want to say patreon.com slash H&B. Go right now. Donate to our Patreon. Go support Black Media. We are here. We will continue to bring you the hottest clips, the hottest coverage, the hottest highlights in the NBA. We are here. This is Hoops and Brews H&B Media. So let's go ahead and let's get into the final topic of today's episode uh actually i can't even see it where is it at where is my nba mvp at i thought i had it in my i didn't even queue it up but first of all i just want to also double back on and say thank you for coming on the show again i appreciate it um you know i i like your platform i like what you're doing what you're building but patreon.com slash hb let's go ahead let's get into it all righty 2020 nba mvp who do you have who is your nba mvp and why Giannis Antetokounmpo, man, plain and simple. There's no de- no debate in my opinion. I mean, I don't see wh- where the LeBron even came up from. I understand he was hot those last five or so games, man, but the man Giannis has been balling all season. 
best record in the NBA, best defensive win shares. He's hooping. I mean, overall, the best player right now in this league right now. I think like right in this this 2020 year, I think Giannis played unbelievable, man. I just you just can't discredit him because of the narrative the NBA is trying to push with the whole Wash King thing. I get it. LeBron's playing excellent basketball, leads the league in assists. Over twenty five points. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Is the no the NBA is not pushing the Wash King narrative. The Wash King you know, is pushing the Wash King narrative. You think you think so? You don't think the NBA is kind of like just pushing that narrative a little bit? I, I think. Look, they are, guess man. what? Guess what? I never jokingly call myself stupid. You want to know why? Because I ain't stupid. Because <laughs> I'm not stupid. So you don't never jokingly call yourself something that is negative towards yourself. If you feel that you are the opposite of that, I don't yep. want to hear that. That's trash. Yeah. Respond. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I think that it just is LeBron pushing it as well, man. But it's just like the people around the NBA, man. I just think like the, the fans, the media, man, like they're just pushing it, man. They, they're making it seem like this man is like we've been talking. Everybody's been trying to talk for LeBron about LeBron's downfall for the last five, six years now. I mean, obviously he's not. Falling I've been talking about it. Yeah, I've I know you have. But I know you have. I've been because it's because because guess what? Because guess what? <laughs> Just because y'all want to push this narrative, the thing about it before was the the thing at worst was LeBron at least, at least, at least for LeBron. LeBron was always the best player on his team. LeBron not even the LeBron not even the best player on his team no more. He can't carry this team. Yeah. Bron gonna carry this team? This is my question. How is Bron carrying this team? That's also why. No, also, also, is he carrying the Lakers? Statistically, no, he's not. Period. He's not. Period. Statistically, no, he's no, not. no, no, no. I didn't say statistically. I said period. I don't know, man. We all know when LeBron doesn't touch the court. When he's off the court, man. Before, before those last few games, they were one of the worst teams statistically in the league when he wasn't on the floor. So when he hits the floor, they do play overall better. They do play, uh, you know what I'm saying? No, more I didn't ask you that. I asked you, was he carrying them? Is LeBron James carrying the Los Angeles Lakers? Yes or no? I think he is. In this, in this oh, season. hell. Okay, okay. So hold on. If you take away if you take away LeBron James, are they still a top four seeded team in uh, the West? If you, take away, if you take away Anthony Davis, are they still a top four seed in the West? I think so. <laughs> I think so, TPJ. I think so. I think so, man. They've had worse teams in Cleveland. That man played with Boo Boo in Cleveland, had number one. I get it. The East was trash. You're lying. You're wrong. You're lying. But he's having a great You're season. I, I'm telling you, man. I mean, if LeBron was by himself with no AD, if they had like another player around his couch, this what you're going to do? You're going to come on my show and spew this trash? Come <laughs> no. on. The hey. Lakers wouldn't be, the Lakers would still be a top four seed? I think they would. Look where they were last year before he got they hurt. They missed the playoffs last year. But he, he came hurt. back. He came back. TPJ, he got hurt. He Come on, now. What? TPJ, he got hurt. Tom, he came he back, hurt. G. He, he got came hurt. back, G. What? He was going through a, a gruesome groin injury. You know how that groin injury is. Bro, man, the, bro players, if Anthony man. Davis was not on the Lakers, the Lakers would be a top four seed because LeBron is leading them. I, yes, they would. You I'm going to say yes, they would. Ripping. So you're where would they be at? Where would they be at? They would be probably like five, six, seven, seven. LeBron, literally. So it's just LeBron and his team. Yes, I think they. I think they can still be a top four team. What's LeBron averaging? Talk to he's me. Averaging, I think he's averaging like twenty six right now. Twenty six team. No, no, no. I'm seven. not talking about right now. I'm talking about in this hypothetical world. Oh, what's he averaging? 
I lie to me. About, I think it's still average about 27, 27, 27, 26. I'm about to run out of my own. You about to, <laughs> you about to make me run out of my own house. You about to make me run out of my own house like I don't live here. It's happened before we've seen it in Cleveland. It's happened before. He's done it before. He's had what? Just Kevin Love and a bunch of role players around him. Gee, I swear to God, for real, <laughs> bro. They can be a top four team if it's if it's just him, man. I think they can be. With everything that happened with no Golden State this year, they're hurt and everything like that, man. I think they can still compete for a top being a top four seed. So who the second best player on this top four Lakers team? Somebody literally just said, somebody just said, run out of your own house. That's a <laughs> What? He uh, carried dead teams. He carried dead teams in Cleveland. Come on, man. Them teams carried, had Kevin Love I mean, and Kyrie Irving. Oh, I think, I All think right, the bro. second, I think the second best player will be Kuzma. It'd be Kuzma. So I think Kuzma will kick in. Then you have Caruso. We've seen Caruso. He can get some buckets now. He can get some buckets now. You're talking to me about Alice Caruso. He can get. Are some you buckets. serious? He can get some buckets. If it's right, if it's, if he's getting more minutes, bro, you don't think he can get some more buckets? All right, G. I swear you. All right, bro. <laughs> Caruso. So who the second leader? Okay, so so who the second leader scorer? Alice Caruso. No, Kuzma. Kuzma second leader scorer. At what? He can give you about twenty. Kuzma give you twenty a game. So so yeah, what's they, your starting lineup then? So you have you have Rondo one, you have KCP two. Oh no, my bad. Danny Green two. Uh, LeBron at the three, uh, Kuzma at the four, and then you had JaVale at the five. All right. Hey, bro, look, you my guy. <laughs> you my guy. You my guy. But you tripping, bro. No, this team, <laughs> this team at best, at best, at best, at best would be a 6-7 team. You got them top four seeds, so so. I can be. Is, they can be. I think they can be four. Top, where be four. is top be four, four there? Where? Be four. I think they can be four. Four. Wherever can four. That'll be four. They'll be four. I think they can be four. You need to be stopped, bro. You legit. Uh, let, you let, let's be, let's let's see how that. What's the what's the standings right now? Let me see real quick. NBA standings. And let's see. They're first right now. They're first, so I think they can be. I think they can be better than the Jazz. I think they can be better than the Thunder, and I think they can be better than the Rockets. With no Anthony Davis, with no they gonna AD. be better than the Rockets with no Anthony Davis. Bro, we've seen LeBron do this before. You're talking like it can't happen. What? LeBron has done this. He has done this. Ah, this he is why we gotta keep this. the youth off of here. <laughs> Bro, LeBron so we gotta keep it. Oh, uh-uh. We finna turn to the ESPN. We ain't having no more youngins on the show because you tripping. You're tripping. LeBron has done this. Speaking before. of LeBron, let's go ahead and, and Rachel Nichols actually asked LeBron yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Two days ago in the pressers about the MVP award. I'm gonna play this clip of LeBron talking about it. Do voting for postseason awards, including MVP, with the cutoff being when the shutdown happened. What do you think of that? When the show. Oh, so nothing counts. Nothing counts after yeah. that. Um. I mean, I don't have a, really have a thought because I haven't really thought about it until now until you asked the question. But, um, you know, I think those awards are always great this year um, throughout this time of the year, um, you know, to acknowledge the individuals that's had, you know, great years, uh, you know, not only from a player's perspective, but from a coach's perspective as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You didn't get the chance. I mean, there was supposed to be a quarter of the season left when the shutdown happened. You were having a particularly good stretch.
right. Look, 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 look. And then he also he also would later go on to be like, well, what they say, LeBron can't win in the East. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What they say, LeBron can't win in the West. LeBron didn't have Anthony Davis before. What? Yeah. What? No, come on, man. Come on, man. You're talking about I don't know who LeBron I know who LeBron is. I clearly know who LeBron is. He's not taking Kyle Kuzma, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee to the playoffs in the West. Not as the fourth seed, top four seed. Y'all tripping. Y'all tripping. It's possible. You're tripping. You're tripping. You can't count them out. You can't count them out, man. I can't. He's done it before. Consider him counted out. But, hey, anyways, man. Darian, man, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the two for one show, the you know, you know, the hottest recap show in the world. Make sure you go right now. You drop a like on that video if you are watching right now. Drop a like and subscribe to this channel right now. Please make sure you also go to Patreon.com/hmb. Join us there. We have a private chat room for all of our Patreon subscribers. You get access to these and potty and you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in podcast version early um so make sure you go do that patreon.com slash hb it's your boy tpj as always we will be back with hoops and brews on friday we were supposed to do hoops and brews but we will be doing it on friday i will be back tomorrow with my show the new show in la as well as tomorrow night king watch la airs immediately immediately after i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry after i was about to say clippers after lakers versus mavericks so tomorrow night lakers versus mavericks after the game Tune into this channel. We will have only Lakers fans talking all Lakers basketball. King Watch LA. If you missed the last episode, please make sure you go and you check it out. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at RealTPJ. That's R-E-E-L-T-P-J. Today, I had the pleasure of having the homie Darian come through from the Chill Takes Podcast. Darian, talk to the people. Let them know where they can find you at on the internet. Yes, sir. Y'all can find me at Chill Takes uh, underscore. That's my uh, Chill Takes Podcast platform. My link for all my... My media stuff is going to be in my link tree in the bio. Um, also, if you want to follow me on my personal page on Twitter, it's Darian Chill underscore, man. So that's how it is. All righty, Darian. I definitely appreciate you for joining me, and I will get up with you next time. Most definitely appreciate it. All righty, fans. Thank you all once again for tuning in to the hottest recap show in the NBA. I will be back with NBA action, hopefully, if not nightly, at least at least three, four, five nights a week. I'm here. I'm back. I'm ready. We live. We doing it, man. I appreciate all of you guys. Make sure that, as I said before, you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash HMB, as well as go online right now on your computer screen. Click that like button. If you are watching us right now, click that like button. Click the like button. Click that like button. Smash that like button so hard, your computer screen break. That's how hard I want you to. I want you to take that like button, and I want you to go, ah, hit that like button. But anyways, I appreciate it. I will get up with you all next time. This is your boy TPJ, hottest NBA action, two-for-one show. Thank you all for tuning in. And I will leave you all with this clip of Paul George talking to me earlier about what's going on in terms of Black Lives Matter. And until then, we will get up with you later. It's been your boy TPJ. And until next time, I will holler at you. Peace out. Uh, Thomas, go ahead. Uh, Paul, you know, obviously you just spoke about George. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, Paul, obviously you just spoke about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, there was a lot of talk about you guys coming back and, and being a distraction. Um, do you think that having the opportunity to speak about this day after day will continue to lend to that message and make more and, you know, and lend to change? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, again, that's what we're here for. Uh, to continue to keep that in the back of people's minds um, and uh, 
I mean, her murders are still free. So um, nothing was done yet. And uh, we're going to continue to, again, keep this fight going and uh, use our platform to stand up uh, for those that can't stand anymore.